Isaiah wrote, he who vindicates me is near. And Jesus himself promised, I am with you always. So what does a walk with Jesus look like? Isaiah reminds us, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. Through this time of meditation upon God's word, may the Holy Spirit lead us to believe that the God who has promised to be our ever-present help will help us to trust in him and walk in faith always. Amen. Dear disciples who walk with Jesus, you've all heard the phrase, I'm riding shotgun, right? I remember that being a big thing growing up, calling shotguns, I got shotgun. And there's actually a kind of a curious history behind this saying. Is back in the days of stagecoach, stagecoaches and stagecoach robberies, there would be two people who would ride up front. The driver, who of course controlled the horses and spent his efforts making sure they worked as a team to pull the stagecoach where it needed to go. But the second person, sitting right there beside him, watched for potential bandits and anything else that could threaten the stagecoach or its passengers. Most importantly, for this person was sitting on his lap was his firearm. He was literally riding shotgun. Because sometimes when the, the road ahead would be precarious, the driver's concentration would be so focused on, on what was ahead that might have not realized, the, not have seen the, the danger. But the sidekick, the person riding shotgun, was always there with them. Always, always there to protect the driver, to protect the team, to protect the stagecoach and everything else. In our Old Testament text, we heard from Isaiah, he who vindicates me is near. Even when we get busy with life, even when we're afraid or troubled or threatened, when the truly wicked one is in hot pursuit after us, we know the wonderful truth that God is riding shotgun, watching out for those potential bandits and anything else that might threaten us or come after us. So the question I have for you on this rally day is this. What does your walk with Jesus look like? Well, let me answer that according to God's word. It looks like one where Jesus is always near where Jesus is always near, always with us. You know, at the reading of our gospel text, we see a time that was full of chaos. Jesus, Peter, James, and John had just come down the mountain fresh from Jesus' transfiguration to this, chaos. Jesus' other nine disciples are arguing with the scribes, and there's a great crowd around them, perhaps listening, perhaps yelling themselves, taking sides in the argument. When someone finally looks up and notices that Jesus is there, and they all run to him. And oh yeah, there's this boy rolling around on the ground, convulsing and foaming at the mouth. And you couldn't blame Peter, James, and John if they had maybe tugged on Jesus' sleeve and said, you know what, can we go back? Let's go back up that mountain. Peter's suggestion of setting up three tents and staying looks pretty good right now. But no, they can't go back. 
This is why Jesus came. This is life. And it's probably your life too, at least on some days. And yes, the, maybe the details are different. But is your life all neat and tidy and organized? Or is it more like chaos? Is your life all perfectly going according to plan or more filled with interruptions, unexpected problems, arguments, troubles at home, problems at work or school, issues with family, betrayal by friends, and on and on? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Life in a world of sin filled with sinners, with the, with the devil conducting his minions to turn God's well-ordered, harmoniously orchestrated creation into chaos. And each of us plays a part with our own sinful nature, playing our own tune, blowing our own horn, and making a mess out of all of it. But into this mess, into this chaos, steps Jesus. And with him, with him, disorder becomes order. Chaos becomes harmony. Fear becomes peace. And death becomes life. He who rebuked creation when it was convulsing and rebuked the sickness and disease that had taken hold on people now rebukes this unclean spirit, this mute and deaf spirit which can hear him and he drives it out. And when his disciples ask him about it later, he tells them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. But what does that mean, Jesus? Are there different kinds of unclean spirits? Are some more powerful than others? What makes this one different? Why could this one not be driven out by anything but prayer? But not just with this. We ask that about a lot of things. About things happening in our lives, things happening in our country, in the world. Why is my family so divided? Why did my loved one die? Why is there so much evil and, and problems in the world? Why are Christians being persecuted? Why am I suffering? And Jesus' answer seems to refer directly back to our Old Testament text. Trust in the name of the Lord. Rely on God and pray. But walking in darkness and having no light is our situation when things happen and we don't know why. In the darkness, you don't know where things are coming from. In the darkness, you can't see where you're going. And in the darkness, it's very frightening. And we can use our tongues, as James said, to curse the darkness, to curse those who bump into us in the darkness. But you know what? That doesn't do any good. In fact, that usually just goes and makes things worse, agitating us, agitating them, making the darkness darker, the chaos worse, and turning us against each other. Instead, let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. You know, Isaiah didn't say those words lightly. Israel, in his day, had a whole bunch of trouble and darkness. 
from wrong belief to idolatry within, from enemies threatening them from outside. No amount of fighting or cursing could change that. They tried. They tried, but it just got worse. And so Isaiah said, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. Or if I can paraphrase here, Isaiah is basically saying, pray. Pray. For to pray is to call on the name of the Lord and rely on him. It's to entrust all of your whys to him. It's not to know all the answers, but to trust that he will do what is needed, that he will do what is right and what is good. Because it's not that prayer itself does anything. It's that the one that we pray to can and does. And he wants us to pray. He has promised to hear our prayers, every single one of them. And he has promised to answer all of our prayers according to his good and gracious will, which is always for your very best. And so we pray to the one who breaks the darkness, the only one who can, the one who is our light in the midst of the darkness, the one who came to bring order to our disorder, harmony to our chaos, peace to our fears, and life to overcome our death. The one who came to forgive, to release us from the grip of our death-causing sin. You know, going back to our gospel text and seeing the boy like that and hearing he is dead, that was a pretty dark time for the disciples. The time for a lot of wives. The time when it seemed as if their worst fears came true and their prayers went unanswered. And again, maybe you've been there too. You prayed, or maybe you're still praying, like that father going to Jesus asking for help. And the answer? Your son is no longer possessed or convulsing. He's dead. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Because you know how it turned out for that father. You know how it turned out with Jesus and his resurrection. Do you think it'll be any different for you? you know, even if things get pretty dark for a while, all things are possible for one who believes. For all things are possible for the one we believe in. For he was dead, but now he's alive risen and victorious. So is the evil one throwing you into the fire and water, trying to destroy you? Don't worry. Don't worry for Jesus beat him to it. But John the Baptist said, he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, water, and with fire. And he has. You were baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection to destroy the sin in you and to give you a new life. That's the wonderful promise of, of Romans chapter 6 and that connection to Christ being baptized into him, into his death and resurrection. 
We have a new life, his life, a forgiven life, a life that neither sin, death, nor the devil can end. That when your body becomes a corpse, maybe for a long time, Jesus will then take you by the hand and lift you up too. To a life where no evil, no darkness can ever enter again. Until that great and glorious day, what darkness are you in? Who is foaming at the mouth or convulsing against you or what you believe? Certainly in the midst of this sinful world, we face enemies from all sides. But what do we do? We pray. Pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, for those who disagree with you. For those in fear, for those who have been misled, for those who wish, you, who wish you dead and who would like nothing better than to stamp you out in your beliefs. Pray for them. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And until that day, come and be fed and be strengthened by our Lord at his table. He has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Not apart from our enemies, but right here before them, in the midst of them, in the midst of their raging. Right here, this church is a place of peace and forgiveness, of strength and confidence, of our Lord with us in his body and blood for us to run to and receive his life, his forgiveness, his love, his grace. And to praise the one who breaks the darkness, who frees the prisoners, who preached the gospel, who calmed the storms and fed thousands, who blessed the children, who drove out demons, who brings cool and living water, who suffered in our place. The word incarnate, who died and rose again victorious, the one who makes us one, so that we can walk with him today and forever in his grace. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, what does your walk with Jesus look like? It doesn't mean the absence of chaos. But what it does mean is that Jesus is present with you always every step of the way, giving you his grace, his forgiveness, and his love. Amen. Amen.